Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello, my name is Gary Mansfield, and this is the Ministry of Arts podcast, where each week I'll be speaking to a different artist. Now let's begin by bagging these bongos. Yeah, right. Crazy. Hello and welcome to episode number 73 of the Ministry of Arts podcast. And what a week this has been. The Black Lives Matter movement has spread to every state across the US. Several officers have actually been charged for their brutality. And old Donald Trump got so scared he went scurrying off down to his bunker. Back in the UK this weekend, in Bristol, protesters tore down the bronze sculpture of Edward Colston who was a local slave trader. Not only did they put ropes around his neck and pull him off his plinth, but they dragged him down to the dock and threw him in the water. I saw that they'd been petitioning for years to have the statue taken down, but the local authorities wouldn't do it. And now the people have done it themselves. And I saw only today that Banksy has proposed to pull the statue out from the bottom of the dock, put him back up on his plinth, but have the added sculptures of those protesters actually pulling him down, all made of bronze. Don't think that'll happen. The guest on this week's podcast has also been documenting the London protests, for which at one point he ended up with a broken bone in his arm. And it is Mr Oliver Malin. Oliver has moved away from figurative painting, to which he was getting quite a name for himself, to making near-daily documentations in the form of his Bath Chronicles jokingly describing himself as a domestic war correspondent, Oliver reacts to articles he reads on Apple News during his daily bath. It's just him laying in the bath with the title written on post-it notes and stuck to the tiles behind him. Brilliant. You can listen to Oliver every week on Instagram where he's joined by MC Yamas to discuss the week's arts and culture topics. 
with Artlist founder and CEO Paul Carter Robinson. Please come with me to meet the extremely charismatic Oliver Malin. I very much uh, well. We'll get on to we'll get on to this therapy session in a second. <laughs> so yeah. Um, do you need to formally begin it? I guess you do. No, I just I, sometimes I do. Sometimes okay. I don't. I just yeah. sort of ease into it. No formality. Yeah. Nothing's off the record. But um, well, I guess it started then. <laughs> it it must have now. Yeah. So this afternoon via Zoom, I'm with Oliver Malin. Is it Malin or Malin? It depends if you're northern or not, I guess, because I'm half northern. Oh yeah. So my mum's from Harrogate, so. Depends if you've been to elocution lessons or not, isn't it? <laughs> and how do you pronounce it? Because that's, that's always the correct way. Tuma, what's my name? Hines. He's saying Malin Hines. So he's saying a bit of an Americanism. Yeah. So I actually have a double-barreled name for my sins. which oh, in our Well, in our current culture, it's almost like you have to bury it, a bit like the Chilcot Inquiry, don't you? <laughs> and the thing is, is that I don't have an issue with it as such. It does feel like excess baggage, though, to some extent. Yeah. And But, you know... I think that um, it's not a bad thing to have double-barreled names. It's just sometimes people look at them in different ways. So I just go with the, I think the truer um, kind of synonym to my character, which is wicked in French, because yeah. that's malin, which is actually, if we're really splitting hairs here and going on my ancestry.com, I'm Polish on one side and I'm um, sort of English on the other. So my actual proper name is Malinsky or something. Oh, wow. You know, because they changed the name when they came over in the yeah, ferry. Yeah. Um, however, they were smuggled over. Um, and so Malin is a you know, mask anyway. And what is the name that you've done away with? Uh, well, Himes is my dad's name. Um, oh, yeah. I didn't necessarily... I mean, my parents made the decision in 1986 to give me a double-barreled name. I mean, I suppose it's the 80s. Things were going okay for them. Upwardly mobile. Let's reclassify him, yeah, I guess. Yeah. So, I mean, it's well, their you, choice. How did you know what one to get rid of? Well, I think because my dad doesn't really fight for his corner too much. He's a bit more of a quiet, kind <laughs> type, sort of, you know, potters along, nice to everyone. The other side of the family, a bit more forceful. Yeah. You know, a bit more, um, I don't know what the word is, explosive, Wicked. vengeful, repugnant. They're like a pantomime. Yeah. It's like I permanently have Widow Twanky <laughs> at the other end of the phone. So it's like on the one side, I've kind of a bit more zen. And yeah. on the other, it's like I don't know what kind of therapy you need first. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess that's where I sit with that. But no, it seems a bit unfair. I should probably swap each week to week. But then my other escape plan is if I really fuck up in this art world thing, I can then just change my name with the other surname and just become an estate agent. Shave my head, get a new LinkedIn... Fuck yeah. it, let's do it. <laughs> so, well, I, Ollie, I ask each artist seven questions. The first one I've got here is: How would you explain what you do to someone that didn't know your work? Ah, oh, it's a good question. Hence your first question. Um, I think it would depend what they did. In as much as, as I've got older, I've got more and more tired of trying to sell my own shit. And I think that's called 33. I mean, I think that's probably why Jesus, you know, hung things up then. Because, yeah. you know, you just get a bit fed up of peddling the old wares. So I think if someone says, oh, what do you do for a living? What? And I, I'll always try and find out what they do. So then I can possibly talk about what they do. Um, and that's sort of easier. And then if they want to kind of go south, we can sort of talk about something. But I don't know. Like, 
I think I'm of a generation who have been empowered by the internet and they can sort of do as much as they can be bothered to do online. Yeah. It's all based on mood anyway. I mean, we're all creatures of mood and circadian rhythms and all that hoo-ha. So I think, yeah, I do. I have a number of different strands, but it's all banging the same bush. It's all just trying to explore and explain things that I've sort of observed and perhaps spent too long looking at a tree or something. And now it's like my chance to talk about that tree as if I'm, you know, Bukowski in his back garden. I don't know. Because <laughs> it is pretty much video journals that you... Well, yeah, I, I guess so, yeah. But then that's sort of like not exactly... Uh, what I, I'm not a blogger. I'm not a YouTuber. I no. don't do makeup tutorials. I don't... Um, I mean, I do express emotion online. I was crying the other day, but that's, I think, because I smoked too many spliffs. However, I, that's not a bad thing to cry. I cried yesterday. Um, I cried for about 10 minutes. My dad was asking me what was wrong. And then I had to try and explain why I was crying. Then I cried some more. And it was all to do with, I'd been watching some footage of a band that I used to film stuff for. And it brought back a lot of memories, partly a memory of sitting in a hospital bed recovering from a uh, back operation and just being pretty like, I'm pretty alone here. Like, uh, you know, no one's around. What's going to happen? The male nurse was about like six foot eight or nine. I was shit fucking scared. Because <laughs> you're so loaded on like codamol or anything else they've pumped in you after you've got yeah. stitches in your spine. And just like this giant bloke. I know he meant well, but, you know, you can judge people by their appearances sometimes when you've just recovered from back yeah, surgery. Yeah. And I remember putting on their music and it was just, it touched me because it reminded me of, a, of, a, of an active time, of a time with being with friends. And, you know, we can cry as men. It's not illegal. But you don't expect when you cry. It's a bit like an unexpected fart or something. Yeah, I've, I've noticed, I mean, I, I turned 50 a little while ago. Yeah. And I've noticed that I get, I may not cry, but I definitely get more upset about things emotionally yeah. than I used to. I mean, I've always yeah. sort of been a, a big-hearted fellow and uh, you know not not uh, never been af afraid to show it but i've never actually yeah. cried over stuff but yeah now i'll be watching a program on the telly and i feel my eyes well up which is yeah. about as far as it goes yeah well that's that's at least your tear ducts are vaguely working <laughs> yeah, so that's they're, okay they're still present well yeah. i've done a podcast with someone the other day and it was a mental health podcast and he's, he's a mate anyway um and we was just talking about a certain subject and then I could feel it rising, you know? Yeah. And then it, it is like a, I, I think a tsunami is a bit of an exaggeration, but you can't, you can't stop it coming out, that's for no, sure. No, no. It's definitely better out than in. I, I reckon. Yeah, I reckon so. Um, yeah, I've, I've looked at your Instagram page and I was trying to sort of <laughs> work therapy. out this what boy sort needs of therapy. where to put you and, and you are yeah. pretty much on your, on your own there. Yeah, well, I think it's a, it's a, it's definitely an an own that's been carved out from sheer annoyance. Yeah. Whether it's through the prism of trying to somehow establish some sort of career, through to bouncing around different different industries, observing things, just being curious and nosy, also liking to draw, so you're sketching stuff, and you're always you're always lurking and spying. I basically, to summarise what I sort of do. I think I'm a domestic war journalist <laughs> in my own sort of odd way. That is fucking brilliant. Uh, where were we? Yeah, so domestic that, in the sense that, like, I'm always observing, but it's not always doom and gloom. Yeah. But, in, I mean, I imagine if I was planked in Basra or somewhere or anywhere, now, even if I was in Syria, I'd look for, yeah. like, you know, the sad stories, but I'd also look for, like, the little incongruous things. I'd look for yeah. someone oddly wearing a, I don't know, a Backstreet Boys T-shirt. 
yeah, something yeah, that's yeah. just you know an accidental slice and drop of pop culture. So really, I'm just a pedestrian observing. And then ever since we've got things like Instagram, where we can start just doing it, and there's no one telling me off, like my mum or someone. Yeah. Well, they are obviously trying to tell me off, but it's sort of like it's liberating, and it's such a, like a freedom we have in in a sort of relatively democracy seeming place. You know, in China, I couldn't do that. I'd get shot, wouldn't I? Yeah, exactly. I mean, a lot of them are done while you're in the bath. Yeah, yeah. If anyone hasn't seen it. Yeah. I mean, that started, I think it was, a, it was over a year ago. And I think it sort of marked a kind of a better period for me. I'd sort of come out of a depressive slump. I'd met a nice new girl. You know, acid was, you know, playing ball. It was all right then. And I was like, right, why don't I just start talking to the world? And the thing about the bath is, it's a quite a good conduit. Because, I mean, first of all, as, as it, on the surface, it seems like I'm being very, like, egocentrical and talking selfies, all that kind of shit. But it's not like that at all. It's just like a bloke recalling things he finds funny, uh, taking a rather irreverent look at things, and then sometimes highlighting serious things. I don't care that I'm, like, a person and I have a face and a body. It's yeah. not vanity. It's, I mean, it doesn't creep. And I have I had a spot the other week. Fuck, am I supposed to do? <laughs> I was just like rolling with it. I was owning the spot. I was like, at the end of my spot, I have a nose. Yeah. Like, I don't have a choice. I mean, I, not that I even have much of an audience, but I'm not really doing it for them either. I mean, I am to some extent, but, you know, maybe an odd shout out. But it's just for me as a diary as well. Because I've, I've watched a few of them. And when I saw the first one, I spent the first probably all of it really, trying to figure out what you was trying to do. Yeah. And where you was trying to come from. And it yeah. wasn't until I'd seen about four or five of them that yeah. I realised none of that fucking mattered. Yeah, I think it's that thing. It's that, um, I mean, if anything, I'd like to see more just sort of independent curation because I'm only going on Apple News and just picking out things I think are interesting. We all yeah. do that. It's just we don't all choose to share it. And that's okay as well. But I just think I just like hearing from people just having a slightly independent take on, on all this myriad of information we're being given. Yeah. So it's really that's the basis. Because first of all, I thought it was just this guy, because you only see your head. Yeah. Um, and you've got a, a couple of post-it notes behind you with, yeah. your, with your title on it. Yeah. Um, but then that's what I did like. I did like to see where it was sort of um, published in, in a way that it, you, you see the actual clips that you're talking about, yeah. the headlines, yeah. and the, the newspaper, or not newspaper clippings, but video um, it's, clippings. It's, it's, it's and... a very budget Charlie Brooker screen wipe. Yeah, but it fucking works, though. It it works. That's the thing. You, you either yeah. hate it or love it. Yeah, yeah. I think and it's after pretty... And you figured out where you might be trying to come from, yeah. then that's I think what you pull into it. And I think there's also a real comedic strand in as much as I have the audacity to be sitting in a bath like some sort of Roman emperor <laughs> talking to the subject. Come and to that, me. By virtue like Churchill. Of, yeah, it just has a sort of, like, the, the, the sheer audacity is funny. Yeah. Um, and just washing my hair. And I started to sing now just to lighten the mood a bit. Uh, and I really, the things I can't sing, I'm one of those people that, of anything I would have wanted for Christmas, is a singing voice. Yeah. But God yeah. was like, listen, just, that's not your bag. But I can do impressions of people singing. So that's sort of enough, <laughs> I think. Maybe. It's, it still comes under the singing bracket, doesn't it? Yeah, just about. When was your first interest in art? Good question. I think my mum shoved Tudor's Trek down my throat uh, oh, when I was young. Because my mum's unfortunately an artist. 
which is a bit like passing on sort of like some kind of rare kind of thing of leukemia. You've just always got to keep uh, keep keep an, an eye out for it because <laughs> it creeps to see in when it's going to come up. Yeah. yeah. Um, Shuma, do you have that lighter by any chance? Sorry. Hang on. Yes, Dad. Um, yeah. So I guess it was young, and I was made to draw, and my mum dressed me up like a kid, you know, from sort of seventeenth century Paris that would probably have been sexually abused by one of an aristocrat. <laughs> so I sort of had a rocky start, really. Um, yeah. You know, bounced around different preparatory schools. And I should say as a, a, a side note, is that I've gone through um, overprivileged education at every level of my existence. And it hasn't, it's not stopping. Has it, has it paid off, though? No. Well, has it? I don't know. I think some people would have, you know, you can put a, you can put a, a bull in John Lewis or you can put a bull in Sports Direct. They're still going to charge through it, maybe. Yeah, it's so, a ball, still a ball, yeah. Yeah, that's that's my slight logic. Um, but who knows? I mean, they could have saved a lot of money. They could have put it all into therapy. Did you do, but, apart from the, the good education that you got, did you have a, uh, did you do an art education at the end of that? So my art education came slightly after the event in as much as I went to somewhere called the Royal Drawing School. Mm. Um, which sounds like I should come out with some sort of official crossbow and I can <laughs> go into any part of England and draw anything in history and it becomes yeah. official. But yes, I went there in 2012 to 2013. Yeah. But I'd already had a solo show, which I'd put on in Camden in 2011, um, which I did. There was an organisation called Camden Town Unlimited that owned the building and they were very nice and I convinced them I should have a show and have the space for free, it should be noted. Um, so I got a free space there. Um but uh, it now is something. It was something called the David Roberts Art Foundation, but they just sold it. I don't yeah. know what it is now. So that was my first thing. But I went to the Royal Drawing School, not having done a formal art education, then applying with all my work I had in my solo show, and they accepted me. I don't think anyone else had had come from a non-degree based background. I'd, and what work was you making at that time, Ollie? I was doing the series on crushed beer cans, um, which was um, basically just people I'd seen on the street, people around the place, different parts of the UK. Just It was always just these sort of lost moments where someone was lost in thought, someone was smiling, someone was checking their watch, someone was frowning, someone looked like they just lost a bet. It, it stuck, that's where I come back to domestic war photography, is that my process has always begun with photography. Uh, which is half cheating, but half not, because the photo is only a reference for something else. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it started that, really. Actually, no, hang on, it didn't start there. Oops. Um, I, after university... No, hang on. Well, I'm crossing over here, but after university, I went to Los Angeles, because um, I'm spoiled and privileged. <laughs> uh, but, you know, you can be spoiled and privileged, but stuff can still happen, right? Of course. So, rest in peace, Billy Samoth. Um, up in heaven, who was my uncle's best friend, Big Bumper. He was called Bumper because he was shares manager once upon a time. Oh, and his weight went up and down like a yo-yo, so he's called Bumper. <laughs> so Bumper hooked me up with what was then Miley Cyrus's manager. But this was when Miley Cyrus was still Hannah Montana, so she was going through metamorphosis, yeah, whatever you'd call it. And they were losing her. So I was working there for about a month, um, and I was booking them restaurants. They had very low-brow tastes. They went to places like Chuck E. Cheese for dinner. I didn't wow. think you had to book, but <laughs> I think you could yeah. just walk in. But anyway, so I was in L.A. for three months by myself. I didn't have a driving license. I um, went by bus everywhere. And the bus, if you've ever been to Los Angeles, um, for anyone who has out there, is only uh, populated by homeless people and those that can't afford a car. 
compounded with lots of TV screens selling adverts in Spanish for like accident lawyers. Yeah, so it's yeah. a real odd, it looks like it's sort of like a William Burroughs scene. Yeah. So I spent, uh, well, those three months taking pictures of people on the bus and drawing them on this pack of playing cards I bought from Muji before I went to LA. So I did that like a sort of weird dude and, you know, made macaroni and I met a nice girl. Big shout out to Michelle France. Um, we're still friends, 10, uh, 12 years on, through thick and thin. Um, she's on a playing card, I think. Um, so yeah, um, that was then. And then I came back to England. I was depressed. I'm quite good at getting depressed. I'm actually sort of, I've been trying to get my professional qualification. But yeah, I'm really hoping. I really want to get black belt this year. Um, but yeah, I came back, I was a bit depressed. Um, but then a friend of mine was like, I'll oh, come and work for me. He's a bright spark. A guy called Adam, big up Adam Theobald, I've just spoken to on The Dog and Bone. He gave me a job. And the first week, um, we went to Thailand for a plastic box conference which was pretty strange, I think, <laughs> even normally. So this plastic box conference was in this place called Patong, which is quite an odd place, Patong. I think it was quite badly hit by the tsunami. Yeah. Um, and it was, <clears throat> it was a bit, if you imagine, um, uh, what's that place called? Magaluf, Thai Magaluf. I think that's the <laughs> nicest way to put it, um, with a whole mixture in the whole melting pot of, of different people. Yeah. I remember actually from that time, I uh, I tried to get a suit made and I was like, oh yeah, you know, maybe I'm going to be a normal person in the world and stuff and I'm going to get a suit. This is the step forward. So you go into this place and they get this big booklet of stuff and it's you're pointing the pictures and they're going, Gucci, Gucci. And I'm like, yes, Gucci. <laughs> Armani, yes, even better. Let's, can we combine <laughs> the two? <clears throat> and then the next day I come back to this place. They've made me the suit. I mean, Herman Munster would feel overdressed in it. It was it so boxy. It could be a mixture of the two. It was a yeah. Gumani. Yeah. I have no idea what it was, but I'm having a massive fight about this suit, which I was not paying for. I mean, I didn't even know what it was made out of. It felt so flammable as well. Um, I don't know where, <laughs> we, we, where we've got with this point. Well, with life history. So, yeah, so basically I worked with this guy for a year who knew what he was doing. His dad was in manufacture. He was a real designer's eye. And it was quite inspiring sitting next to someone that gave a shit about something. And I'd struggle with that slightly. I mean, I was a pretty apathetic Guardian reading film student that didn't really do anything. Yeah. You know, took the wrong drugs at the wrong time kind of thing. Um, but seeing next to him was like, oh, all right, okay, so the world isn't that shit. Um, and I started making films then. So that's, that's 2009. And then from there, I've kind of just, with a few depressive uh, episodes, kind of just snowballed along since then in different guises in different forms but always trying to just make and hope people trust me if I'm working with others but if it's by myself it's like well get on with some painting yeah. you know I'm a slow painter as well if that's do you still paint and draw now pardon do you still paint and draw now yeah yeah I have been drawing a bit more recently um so yeah that's that's been good it's been good to see if my hand still works one of the questions I've got is when did you realize you wanted to be an artist but it sounds like it was sort of... Yeah, in... it's a bit like Harry Potter and his Z, I think. Yeah, yeah. It's just one of those... Just, I think it's a combination of frustration, observation and annoyance. I think those are the three things that keep me going. Yeah. Actually. A healthy cocktail of three negatives. <laughs> <laughs> Which piece that you've created as the strongest emotional contact? Uh, strongest emotional contact? Um, good question. I guess the person that looks the most fucking miserable. <laughs> because I'm a bit of a misery merchant. I mean, if you sort of like, I guess as a, you know, if you Google me, that sounds like a horrible thing to say. 
I suppose it's better than at least, you know, when the Spanish flu, you couldn't Google each other. But like the images that come up, well, some come up, um, the ones where you can, I guess, you get in the sense of their familiarity in someone's expression or, you know, whether it's uh, despair, logging, loneliness, all the sort of things that make up the palette of the human experience. I think those are ones. But then I'm, I'm as attached to them as I am anyone else's because I've just taken their picture. You know, I've just observed something. I've bottled them. I've stolen their face, bottled it, put it on something and trying to pl- uh, peddle it. So yeah, yeah. in some cultures, I probably would be like ducked in a sort of chair and burn maybe. <laughs> I see you was, you was with MC the other week. Indeed, yeah. Doing a little, um, yeah. like a little live thing yeah, in, in is, her yeah. studio. Her studio's got to be hot in weather like this. Yeah, it? but it's, it's a beautiful space. It feels like the kind of place where you can make great work. I'm very yeah, I've done, messy. I've done one of these with her. Though. Oh, nice. Oh, cool. Yeah, very pleasant in uh, less pandemic-y times. Yeah, very yeah, much MC's so. the best. You're doing something with her this weekend, I saw. Yeah, on Sunday, e- uh, on Sunday evening. Yeah, so, uh, so now she's joined the uh, newly created panel of livists. Uh, on Artlist, so uh, in conversation with the editor, Paul, we'll be discussing the Turner Prize and um, the change in the format, the repercussions, and I think we're just retailing some stories of um, just the different things that have happened. I mean, I'm looking at, like, KLF are quite interesting in regards to the Turner Prize, because, yeah. first of all, they I think, it was it 1994? Maybe it was earlier. It was something like that. It was Rachel Whiteread, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, I think, yeah, the protest kind of against her, possibly, which maybe is justified, maybe it's not, I don't know. Depends where you split your conceptual infinitives. But, yeah. um, and Bill Drummond, is, he's got a, a long trail of doing interesting things. So, yeah, yeah, I'll be shedding some light on Bill. What do you do to relax? What do I do to relax? I, good question. I'm not actually not a very good relaxer, people have said. I have a bath. Well, <laughs> I suppose I, I start the day with a bath. I haven't actually, I've only had two showers this lockdown. Um... I mean, I'm always pretty relaxed. I'm always in a constant state of doing, unless I'm asleep. Like, I don't have a big line between work, play, and everything beyond yeah. complete admin, like tax return. They all sort of merge into it. A little bit, yeah. And especially in lockdown, that your life is kind of dictated by these like new rules to live by and new yeah. challenges. I mean, yeah, it's, it is difficult. I mean, I've got a garden I'm tending to outside. I suppose I relax, but I'm getting more stressed about it than I'm relaxed. Yeah, because it's you know things are growing, but I'm not sure what's there to, is really growing. I've got yeah. this uh, hibiscus plant, and I want hibiscus jelly, but my ex girlfriend said that's too much to expect. So I'm just <laughs> like, well, hang on, it. Do you eat, what? Where do you even get that knowledge from? And I, I think things are going to be fine. Oh, if there was you and five other artists, past and present, what would your ideal group show be? Group show. Hmm. This is a this is a difficult one. Um, well, why don't we throw Otto Dix in there? Super. Uh, because he would definitely get drunk at the opening, and he'd he'd like probably piss on all the patrons. And then you <laughs> had to convince him that his work was going to be priceless one day, and then someone yeah. would probably decline. Then you'd maybe try and get them together for the after thing. Then he'd do something stupid. Then number two, let's go with. Um, Let's go with Mike Kelly, yeah. uh, because his time was, what the, I hate suicide anyway, but his one feels like a bit like, could you not have waited a little bit? Because yeah. his prices have shot through the roof. Um, so yeah, we're going with Mike Kelly. I mean, I suppose as well, he'd probably have to make the show because he makes like the bedroom. So maybe it would all hang work yeah. in Mike Kelly's bedroom. Yeah. 
Did you go to his show? Was it the tape? I went. I seen the Mike Kelly bed because I was at Freeze Los Angeles last year because I'm sport and privileged. Uh, but I was taking my winter break, if that has to justify it. Oh, um, and they had the massive bed there. And I remember the guy that was running the sort of stool was like a weird goth guy. And I was vaping in next to his bed because I was like, great, we can vape everywhere. Hallelujah, it's Christmas. <laughs> and the guy was like, do not vape near the artwork. And I was thinking to myself, what else can happen? What, the bed's going to come to life, is it, mate? But I just kept myself to myself on that occasion. Yeah. But yeah. Um, so yeah, that's number two. Then obviously Salvador Dali, because he'd make the cookbook, wouldn't he? And he just, he'd make sure the food was great. Yeah. Um, uh, let's get Frida Kahlo along, because I don't want a gender imbalance. Um, and then uh, fifth, but not least, let's get, um, who was, who let's get Sylvia Plath, because let's see what was really wrong. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it's therapy. This is like a therapy show. This is a therapy art show. Yeah, the artist therapy. Lay on the couch. Yeah, lay on the easel. Or lay on, lay on Mike Kelly's bed. If you weren't an artist, what would you like to be? Um. Well, I think if I wasn't an artist, I would um probably just be, I guess, a more of a conventional style entrepreneur in a way. Probably, yeah. I think I come from that background a bit. Um, but I think I'm an unreluctant entrepreneur in as much as I've, I've, I've prioritize creativity over wealth and I've done that for about 12 years and I think that's continuing so yeah. the wealth is just an accidental unexpected unwanted byproduct if anything does happen but that's probably chancing fate anyway but um, no I've been more interested in projects than I ever have in anything else I've never been like I'm not doing that because it's not enough money only if it's a shit thing for money if you know what I mean yeah um, what have you got coming up Ollie what have I got coming up well I hope not I hope I don't get a virus <laughs> I think that's the main concern. <laughs> yeah, we'll try uh, to dodge that. Yeah, anyway. what's coming up, the main thing. Um, I'm trying to tidy my flat so that I'm able to go away with a certain someone this weekend. It's kind of like a vague ultimatum at the start of possibly something that could be great, but could all go up in flames as things happen in the yeah, tree of life. Yeah. So yeah, a bit of tidying. Um, I'm writing a feature film script. Nice. Yeah, so... Uh, Am I allowed to ask what you're Yeah, about? I can digress, yeah. Uh, I've hung up the paintbrushes for a bit. Um, so it's about this guy called Sean that sells pills in a legal rave in 1992. And he meets a girl called Sophie. He, um, and it's sort of the story of Romeo and Juliet, but instead of the House of Montague and the House of Capulet, it's society and yeah. the different emerging pressures from this emerging new culture. Basically, it's a bit of a safari through the rave culture and also the end of football violence. Yeah, yeah. Um, which I'm not old enough to know about, but I have an interest in, because um, it's quite a significant cultural point that people stopped hating each other as much and they started singing, let's have a disco, la-da-da-da, la-da-da-da. So, yeah, so that's my interest point. So, yeah, so my process with that has kind of started thick and th fast. I... Um, I've I tried to make a short film in 2012 about a guy that actually came out of prison was trying to change his life but he couldn't really see a way out and then was did, did a last sort of thing to try and have a way out but it all ended in tears so I built up a very good working relationship with an actor um, I probably shouldn't say too much because I haven't signed him yet and uh, all that kind of jazz but I've managed to build a friendship with, with someone who's a very good actor and, and I mean that in the sense that he's able to do upstairs as well as downstairs he can be a lord and he can be a yeah, servant yeah, as equally yeah. good 
but he also can do it with a range of energies and energies in such a way that allow you to play a scene 10 different ways and you can understand it in 10 different manners or multiple. Mm. So, yeah, I've fortunate to then, we didn't do the film. I couldn't find a likable posh girl. Surprise, surprise. Um, and I made a music video with him in 2015. In that music video, um, I was able to work with a, a great old actor called Struan. His name is Struan Rogers. He's actually, if you've ever seen Kill List, he's the baddie in Kill yeah. List. Kill List, the Ben Wheatley film, which is pretty a bit of a corker. He's, yeah, the, the old weird dude. Kind of looks like a face that's kind of, I don't know, carved from a tree or something <laughs> Javier Bardem-esque about him. Yeah, so I've got a good thing with them as sort of a father-son dynamic. Yeah. So, yeah, so basically ever since pandemic started, I was like, fuck it, I'm 33, like Jesus. I'm going to make this film. It's been in my head for long enough. I have these relationships. So, yeah, I've kind of written about 20 minutes. And I'm just shooting from the hip. I don't know who's going to give me any money. I don't know any of those things. But that isn't relevant. How many pages does 20 minutes? 20 minutes is about 20 20 pages. The whole whole thing would probably be about... I think it would just be over about two hours. Yeah. I'm 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 not gonna I'm not gonna you know if I'm able to somehow make a film I'm not gonna get out quickly I'm gonna spend my time at the supermarket aisle do you know what I mean <laughs> loads of indulgences so even if you do get the financial backing do you have the contacts to sort of try and get, give it some traction the only the only issue I have is um, money everything else is easy because I've been making films for twelve years independently yeah. with no one helping me really. And so I know how to make things at a micro level, especially even in this weird context of a pandemic. I know how to work with one cameraman and get everything I need. Like I'm, I've done that to survive. You know, I'm a quite a wily beast. It's been hiding in the in the underground a little bit. Yeah. So yeah, it, it, to get traction, I mean, the film as a as a sort of concept is about people coming together. It's about experiencing something for the first time. I mean, if we don't need that, if we're coming out at the end of a pandemic, I don't know what we will. So I don't think it's a hard sell, even though I'm an odd sell. Um, <laughs> yeah, it might be you're the hardest show at the pair exactly, of you. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, I don't know. I, I have no idea. I don't think there's any blueprint for any kind of uh, abilities or success other than we're all in a wet paper bag trying to punch our way out, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. Some, some of us punching harder than others. Some yeah. of us, you know, who knows? But just the thing is, I think the biggest thing is don't be a wanker if you don't need to be a wanker. I'll tell you what, I recorded a podcast yesterday and someone said pretty much the same thing but use the word arsehole. Yeah. And that's it. As long as you're just not being a wanker or an arsehole... Unless you need to be. We can all get by. Yeah. No, and how do sure. you think the art world's going to come together after this pandemic? Well, I don't think there's too much togetherness in the art world unless it's being financially motivated. But yeah. I think everyone's being forced to up their digital approach because otherwise you can't communicate. So. Yeah. Yeah, there's lots of blazing examples of people doing it right and understanding communication and communication with different people. I mean, we've got to be having a shitload of empty space, I tell her that much. So if it yeah. isn't an artist's play date to repopulate areas and get some culture back and some vibes, then I don't know whose it is. So artists, get ready. And art organisations, uh, let's give a shout-out to Dan Simon. Because back in the day, he put on the Oberlet in Leicester Square, which was where that old pub was. And yeah, yeah. That was one of the first things I ever exhibited. And actually, funny enough... I, um, I had a piece of artwork broken and lost because an artist called Philip Fursov, he had a fight in front of the artwork. A oh, proper shit. real, a proper sort of like Three Musketeers as punch up around the building. And I know Philip to this day. He's, he's a wonderful gent. He's a good fighter too. He's a big Russian bloke. Yeah. But um, yes, yeah, so, and he, and he uh, during this fight, I was having a chat with him. 
And he was like, I was like, where should I go to fucking art school, Philip? He's like, go to the Royal Drawing School. It's free and it's good. And I was like, okay, as he's being punched. So I still know him to this day. And yeah, um, I don't know where I was with that. But people like what Dan does. I think he's called Interim Spaces. He's yeah, brilliant. Yeah. And there needs to be more people like him. And it's difficult because a lot of people are greedy guts. And a lot of the property developers only pretend to help. So I don't know, more grassroots organisations, all kinds of shit, like just spread the love. That's all we fucking got against this thing is the love. Exactly. I have no other, there's no other solution. I mean, if anything, we've all come together because we've had to in a sort of odd quasi-socialist Marxist dream. Yeah, a bit ironic but, that all being pushed apart has brought us together, yeah, isn't it? Completely. So we definitely will, I don't know, it's a funny thing. I see a lot of people like appreciating each other, but a bit too close. I yeah. see a lot of people who seem to be think sort of in a slight oblivity to what's actually going on. And it's completely non-classist because there's lots of middle class people with lots of kids running around touching each other. Yeah, yeah. This thing doesn't care if you're rich or poor. No. Like, and I think people have an odd... Un well, I don't think any of us have an understanding of our mortality until we're brushed with it and tickled. Yeah. So maybe everyone needs a tickle. I don't really know what the, the solution is. Oh, but let's hope that it fucking comes together soon, eh? Ollie, yeah. that's all my questions asked, mate. Great, thank you. Well, I, I managed to avoid talking about my art, basically. Which yeah, is, I, I, I think did called... notice that from the offset. As much as I tried to, to push you into <laughs> I corner, think that's called filibustering. Oh, exactly, it definitely yeah. is. And I, I, yeah. did give up, I did give up my questions not, three, the I've thing is, say. I guess the thing about people talking about their art and why they're doing it, like for me, and I think it comes back to me considering myself as a domestic war photographer, I'm not making images where I'm judging. I'm not making images where I am trying to impose opinion. I'm not sexualizing people. I'm no. not iconographizing people. I'm just documenting yeah. local people, people I've seen in Bristol, people I've seen in Brighton. Something that jars as a familiarity to our contemporary life. I'm only a photographer, really. I just happen to draw. Like, and that, that's how I see it. And I think that's all it is. So for me to impose a sort of highfalutin narrative of justifying my fucking you know, being beaten by my dad or anything. It's not. I'm yeah, just observing. Yeah. And I've just done it in a way that I thought was interesting or something that I don't know. Well, it definitely so. is. Where can people see your Bath Chronicles? The Bath Chronicles is always just on my Instagram. It's Mail and Oliver. Um, unfortunately, website-wise, my website's been under construction for nine years. I've, <laughs> I've had so many different builders, right? Initially I had Polish, then it was Romanian, then some Indian guys came in. So yeah. it's been, uh, yeah, I, I'm not, I've got a bit of apathy towards websites. I'm a bit confused. So, yeah, it's just on the Instagram, really. But elsewhere, or I don't really, a bit of stuff on YouTube. The odd thing the odd thing floats around here and there. I mean, I think I've basically, you know, I've thrown a lot of shit out and some stuck to the wall, some hasn't. <laughs> and I think I'll keep on going until I get imprisoned. I think well, that's literally... That's brilliant. Thank you very thank much, you. mate. Thank you for it's your time. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Thank you, mate. There you go, Oliver Malin. I spoke with Oliver quite a lot before and after this podcast and absolutely loved talking to him. As you saw here, he's funny, charismatic, well-read and very knowledgeable about art itself. Although, so difficult to pin him down to talk about his own work. I tried, he didn't want to go there, so I definitely wasn't going to push it. But that was absolutely fine by me. And as I said in the intro, if you want to hear more of Oliver, he does an Instagram live with Paul Carter Robinson every Sunday at, I think it's 8 o'clock where him and MC Yamas talk to Paul about what's gone on in the art world and, well, in the world in general, really. So, that's it for this week. Like I say every week, on whichever platform you're listening to this podcast, you should be able to leave a comment. If you're able to do that, that really would help us. 
and anybody else looking for an art podcast. Thanks again for listening, and until next week, ta Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.